Hi, and welcome to Building Perspective with Matt Riley and Molly Elkman. We're here to bring value to you and your team by exploring all things sales and marketing related. All from different perspectives. But today, our focus of discussion of the week is the purpose of change. And we have a very special guest this week. We have Myers Barnes with us. But first, let's dive into our top topics of the week. And I'm going to go ahead and start with an oldie, but a goodie. Um, Here in front of me, I have the book Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. And Matt, I'm sure you have read this one, Mm. but you know what? It's a really good one to revisit because some of the concepts in here are relevant and they're relevant at different times. So there is a specific concept that I want to focus on for today. So Of course, I am drawn to marketing because of the study of people and human behavior, and that has always been my primary interest in marketing. And really, when it comes to leadership, it is the same exact thing. It's all about people and how people work together and how people communicate. And one concept in this book has always stood out to me, and I actually reread it quite often um, to make sure that it still is working and that I'm being the best leader that I can be. And that is the concept of the circle of safety. And what I think is so funny about this mm. is, you know, as we always want to get out of our comfort zones to make ourselves better. But I, but there is also something about having this circle of safety, um, which is really making sure that you are in a place where you feel valued, where you feel safe to be your best self. And in in our lives, we tend to create these circles of safety, such as a church group or a book club or even the people that we become friends with, because that's where we can be our best selves. And what I find fascinating is that most people don't feel that their workplace is a place where they feel safe. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And I want you, as you're listening today, to kind of think about that and think, are are you in a place where you feel like you are able to do your best work? And also, are you contributing to that feeling and really making the people who you work with feel like they can do their best work? So I think there's something really empowering about this concept of a circle of safety. No, I completely agree, Molly. So this is interesting. And so when you get into it, how much from uh, from a business owner's perspective, how much of that safety, that the feeling safe goes on the company? And then how much of that feeling safe actually should also be the, the employee's responsibility? Yeah. So I think they go hand in hand. So to me, company culture is not about the company. It's about the people who make up the company. So I never think that it's one person who makes up the company culture. I think every single person contributes to the company culture. And, you know, one person can change it for the better and one person can change it for the worse, which I think is so empowering because what that means is that no matter what position you have, where you're working, you have an ability to make it better. So that I love that because we tend to, you know, people default to thinking it's out of their hands and thinking there's someone else to blame. And the truth is you are in a position to make your workplace and your day and your environment better. Oh, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think that having the people... I think it's also really important for everyone that's that's there, that's part of it, to understand that they also are the they're the ones that make up the culture, not 
not the leaders or not the company itself. They're the ones that are that are creating that culture, whether it's good or bad, right? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, culture and leadership and marketing, they really are so seamlessly integrated because it really is all about, you know, teams pulling together, but it's all about communication, right? So how we communicate internally and how we communicate externally with our with our buyers and our audience. So this concept of communication and always wanting to be better and this idea um, of, of always being better at communicating is going to help us grow personally, professionally, and as teams. Yeah. No, I think uh, good stuff. And I think that that's a great book. Uh, and I, I think that will remind me to uh, this year before this year ends to go back and reread that book. I mean, that's, I've got, I've got like a pile of four or five books on my nightstand that I've got to get through. Um, but that is definitely one of them. And I actually think I still, I think I have that one on audiobook as well. I think it was one of those that I read and listened to. Um, cause it is a very impactful, very impactful piece. I love that. I would say I definitely look at the circle of safety, um, that chapter. Um, one thing to note that I think is really funny that I just want to bring up is all leadership books really tend to talk about the military. And I find that really fascinating. I mean, that I know it's a very good place to start with a foundation and to tell stories, but um, this one does have some some really compelling information from the military and stories that make it so it resonates. But I, I do think that that's pretty interesting. It is interesting. And we'll have to see if we can find somebody who can speak to that specifically, because I wonder if, you know, the military is so rigid. It is rigid in the sense of everyone knows what they're supposed to do. But is there that feeling of safety? Do they, you know, and, and I, th- and I would, I would argue to the point that I think that it's, it's some extent that there is because everyone knows that they've got a job to do, but also everyone knows that their job directly impacts that of their, the people around them. Yeah. And that they have each other's backs essentially is what it comes down to. I do think we actually have someone, a friend that we can pull into a future podcast. I actually met him through today's guest. Um, Myers introduced me to Van Rose years ago with Rose and Womble. And Van definitely talks about his military background when it comes to leadership and business. So we'll have to have him on a future episode. Absolutely. A little foreshadowing. (laughs) All right. All right. right, What do you have? So this came out today. We're recording this on July the 23rd. Um, And so this came out today as we talk about our topic of the day, which is the the purpose of change. So talking about change, uh, Amazon is partnering with a real estate brand. So Amazon uh, is is really starting to dive more into the real estate side of things. As some people may know this, but they actually invested, this was a couple years ago, they actually invested in an actual builder out in California, small, much more of a prefab builder creating uh, smart homes uh, out there in, in the California market. I think it was San Diego. I could be wrong on the, on the actual market, but it was Southern California. And so now they've invested in some, with some real estate brands. And so this is really interesting because they're calling it turnkey. So it's amazon.com slash turnkey. So right now it's rolling out 
in few different markets throughout throughout the country. Um, let's see. It was I think it was it was obviously San Francisco. I think there was Atlanta. Um, there was a couple other cities on there that I was really surprised that were that were in that. But they're anyway, they're including depending on your price range of the home that you buy. So it says if the buyer closes in a home using their matched turnkey agent. So you go on to turnkey, they match you up with a real estate uh, agent from a brokerage. And it's companies like ERA, Better Homes and Gardens, Zip Realty. Um, there's there's several more as well. But they'll match you up with an agent. And if you purchase a home with that agent, I think it's like anywhere from between 150 and 400, uh, they'll give you a free extra expert installed some Amazon products, some Echo Dot show ring doorbell um, is and apparently I didn't even know this Amazon. They're going to give them credit toward an Amazon's unpacking, cleaning furniture assembly. I don't even know that Amazon had that. I, I never knew that either. Apparently you can hire Amazon to clean and pack and unpack. I would do that. I would totally do it. <laughs> Amazon does everything I mean, now. I mean, it's like unbelievable. They're really trying to take over the entire world. It, they are. I mean, it absolutely is. And so then they've got a second one. Basically, if you're on the higher end of the spectrum, um, you know, they start getting about you get about five thousand dollars worth of stuff. I mean, so it's not like it's, you know, nothing. It's so they're saying more move in benefits. So six Amazon products, a ring doorbell, a variety of smart locks, hubs, light, uh, the smart light bulbs, a fire TV, Sono speakers like this thing is getting big. And they're like a fifteen hundred dollar credit. Uh, for these Amazon home services. Let, again, I had no idea of, that it even existed. Uh, but here are the markets. I found the markets. So Phoenix, Los Angeles, Sacramento, uh, San Fran, Denver, Tampa, Orlando, Atlanta, Chicago, Minneapolis, Charlotte. So just down the street from me, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, Seattle, and DC. So that's a good chunk that they're rolling that out. Yeah. And those are good markets. Do you think this is going to, how do you think this is going to affect new construction? Um, I, I don't think it affects us in the new construction industry personally too much because this is a difference in philosophy, I think, with builders, right? So it's they're pairing them up with an actual real estate agent, and then the real estate agent's gonna take them to wherever they have to go. Yeah. I hope I mean, quite frankly, I hope it doesn't make old homes or used homes more appealing in some way by aligning with Amazon. Letting some, maybe letting a buyer come in and know that, hey, I've got this stuff and I can retrofit some of these houses, um, which ties into the, everybody, you know, I, I've, I've talked about this before at IBS and different, you know, our Home Builder Tech Conference, but it was, you know, we've got to get on board with some of the new stuff that really separates us from these existing homes that are out there. Um, you know, like closing the gap, you know, it's between some markets, you're going to have a 20 to 30% price gap between new and used. And so we've got to do things and we've got to be on top of things that uh, are going to help close the gap. And sometimes it's just perceived value. Um, we've been hanging our hats just on the energy efficiency side of things for a long time. But reality is, is people expect a new home to be energy efficient today. They do. And We've we've got to go beyond that, and really, there was an article. I think I think it was uh, Builder Magazine pushed out, but a couple maybe a month ago, that was talking about how 
people are now using health to sell, right? Healthy homes. So get in, get on this bandwagon if you're not, because um, it's not really a bandwagon. It's the way things are going. Definitely. Um, Great information, especially for our our sales teams that are on the line and listening today, just because you have to be aware what, how other people are packaging things and how they're selling it. Yeah, no question. All right. Well, Amazon is getting deeper and deeper into our into our industry. And uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, I've heard him say this a couple times before. He says, uh, you know, technology is going to disrupt every industry. It's just a matter of if it hasn't if it hasn't gotten to you yet, it will. You know, five years ago, do you think that the cab drivers and limo drivers thought that Uber was going to destroy them? No, they didn't. But if you haven't been touched by technology you will. We will be disrupted. So be on it. Be on it. <laughs> <It's here. laughs> that's right. It's here. All right. That's going to do it for us on our top topics of the week. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. Um, and then we come back, we're going to get it. We're going to dive right into our focus discussion of the week with the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, legend Myers Barnes on the purpose of change. So hang with us and we'll be right back. Right, and we are back, and today we have our very special guest. Um, very honored to have uh, him on our show today, one of my good friends and mentors for a long, long time. And uh, we're going to talk about our topic of the day today, which is change and the purpose of change. And our special guest today is the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> Myers Barnes. Myers, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate this opportunity. Absolutely. We are so glad you agreed. We tricked you on coming into this, coming onto the show. And we told you there was uh, free food, but there's no free food. Uh, we don't have budgets for those kind of things. Uh, but, you know, so we're super glad to have you. And um, really, I mean, diving into our topic of the day, like the purpose of change and why do it. And so one of the things, and you know, I've known you for a long time and everybody listening to this in the builder stratosphere knows who you are, has seen you speak, probably been to one of your trainings at bare minimum. They've seen you talk at IBS. And one of the things that's always stood out to me uh, that you've talked about for a long, long time is change. And, you know, as you go, I know as you come in and you work with a company, that's the first thing that you address is change and the power of change. So let's, let's start a little bit about what that looks like. So why do people change and how do they make a change? Well, first of all, most people won't change, Matt. Um, I jokingly tell people, but it's not a joke. It's a challenge. I just say, I have an 86% probability that you're not going to implement any of the stuff we talk about. And you go, wow, because it involves change. And people fight it. And people, you know, the status quo abound. And the leadership doesn't want to embrace it. And so the leadership doesn't embrace it. The team doesn't want to embrace it. Or there's always this banter or fight, you know, Am I going to make a change? You know, change and progress are two different things, but I like to spin it. How do I change? I, I, I associate progress with it. And if you're not progressing, if you're not making progress, then you're stagnating. You know, so you, if you can spin it and go, this is going to bring great progress, then you can make an easier change if that makes sense to you. Yeah, no, absolutely. So progress 
equals change. And so when you put that in front of them and you show people the steps to progress, like the real question is, is if we know that progress is, is the change, when will people actually start to make those changes for themselves? Um, if they can see an immediate result, they'll do it. But most of the time, you're not going to see immediate results. Uh, you know, the numbers are in. You know, it takes 66 repetition for a new habit to form. 66. Mm -hmm. You know, you've heard, you've heard it before, 21 days. Uh, but it's really 66 repetition. So really, if you're on a diet or something, you know, you, you expect an instant result? No. But it's progress, you know, and it's slow. I've lost 15 pounds since the beginning of the year. Uh, how did I do it? I changed my diet, but I was constantly backsliding, if that makes sense too. You know, but it's always an intentional battle. You know, and it's just how badly you want this goal, it's, you know, whether you're going to do it or not. But, you know, it's been said, Albert Hubbard said this. He said, when does a person change? When the pain of remaining the same overrides the actual change itself, you know, then you're going to make the change, but you, you've got to be in pain to make a change. Nobody uh, changes uh, for a pleasurable reason, because if I looked at you and I say, hey, how's your day going? You go, absolutely amazing. How's your life going? Absolutely amazing. What's the probability you're going to make any changes? None. Why? Slim to none. Incredible. All right. So pain drives change. You know, uh, I'm a lung cancer survivor. You know that. Um, yep. people said, how'd you get one? You know, what, what the cause? And I said, it was a choice, man. It was a choice. And you go, why? Because I smoked for 15 years. Now, you know, 10 years you stop, but you still have a consequence from it. If that makes sense. So we make these choices and we go out there, but when did I stop smoking? When the pain of being a smoker overrode the pain of the addiction. Uh, and I had to be uncomfortable for a period of time, you know, redo the habits, redo everything, but you're never going to make a change. And that is the greatest uh, quote about change. When the pain of remaining the same overrides the pain of the change, then you're going to change. But then uh, there's another word that it ushers in and it's called discipline, you know, hard work, discipline, you know, what is discipline? Do what you have to, when you have to, whether you feel like it or not. You know, because half the time, you, you know, if you want to go to the gym three days a week, you actually think that people that go to the gym three days a week want to go three days a week every day for, uh, for a year? No, they don't, but they're disciplined. So we make our choices. And first we make our choices and then our choices make us. But, you know, this whole thing about pain, too, is going, you're going to spend your life in one of two zones, you know. The pain of change or the pain of regret, you know? Mm -hmm. So you just choose your pain. But I prefer change. I've made some you know, drastic changes myself over the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. And so great segue in. I was going to ask you this. So look, you're talking about change and progress has changed for you. Let's talk about your change. So what the heck has Myers Barnes been up to the past couple of years? Well, it would go really more like uh, what's he been up to for the last 25 years. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, obviously, I've, I've been fortunate, built a great career, wrote some books, you know, have speaking, spoken at every platform you can possibly imagine to any and all sizes of audiences. But I was in pain. 
And my pain was an airplane, 250 yeah. days a year for 20 years. Think about that, 250 days a year staying in a hotel or on a flight, 750 day, or 750 meals a year out, you know, and I've just gotten a lot of pain, you know, and I was going, yeah. you can't take the flights anymore. The delays, you know, the inconveniences of it, it's mass transportation, it's not anything glorious with it, even if, you know, flying first class, you know, it's just yeah. fun. So I love what I was doing, Matt, but I didn't like the process of, of how to be able to do it with, you know, travel. So oh, yeah. I stopped. I just said, hey, I'm going to call it it. Uh, I'm not going to travel anymore. And uh, so I went kind of boots on the ground. I wasn't ready to stop work. I was just ready to stop travel. So I went kind of boots on the ground. And when I say boots on the ground with this, uh, I did go to work with an internet company uh, for a short stint. And then I went as a VP of sales uh, for Oklahoma's largest home builder, a really progressive home builder. Yeah. And it put me, like I say, back boots on the ground. Um, you know, has selling changed? You know, I feel like I was a theorist, though, for 20 years, you know, because I had never been in a model, you know, really been in a model, put myself in a model home. Here's something I did just uh, three weeks ago. Uh, speaking of Oklahoma, another builder in Oklahoma, I went and worked the parade of homes, worked the models for an entire week. I uh, put myself in a model home and you can go, why? So because, you know, you can't learn something or you can't teach something unless you're really kind of boots on the ground again. So for the last two years, I've been, you know, boots on the ground, obviously still doing consulting work and some stuff like that. But uh I put just put myself back to the fundamental. Now, here's where it's changed again. What's driving change? Uh, you've seen my office before. Yep. Uh, uh, we showed you something the other day. We're green screening. Uh, we've got uh, new computer systems and uh, everything has been upfitted, you know, uh, so I can start digitally consulting rather than have to be in the plane. I'll never avoid it wholly. I'm always going to have to do some traveling. But um, just lessen it some, right? Yeah. Well, uh, it'll be 60 days this year versus 250. But digital has allowed me to do this, doing what we're doing right now. You know, we can talk, we can communicate, I can consult, I can even do sales meetings, I can do anything I want digitally now. Now, I'll still come on site, but realistically, everything's going as digital as I can possibly carry it. Huge change, huge shift. Uh, that was a huge shift in thinking. Absolutely. So, all right, you you you've been boots on the ground. I mean, from a day to day of a VP of sales for a large, probably held home builder mm -hmm. um, that's really progressive, right? That they are just super progressive on doing it the right way, getting the right stuff in front of customers, and then even you know day to day training of salespeople day to day training of sales managers running a running sales meetings not just here's how they should work but actually doing it and now you went out and you spent a week um as a salesperson in a model home for the parade of homes which by the way some people some salespeople and sales managers and builders would argue could argue that that parade of home traffic if you if your area if your market does a parade of homes some have a different spin on it but um the tr a traditional parade of homes traffic unit that comes in the door 
they're just kicking tires. They're just there to see decorating ideas. These aren't real buyers. We just want to get them on our system, collect their names, and do some email marketing drip stuff to them as they go. Maybe one day they'll actually buy. But you actually did that. Um, and so from your perspective, after seeing that firsthand, after doing it firsthand, comparing that to the 20-year career you have had um, when it comes to actual you know, theory um, and you see it in actual practice, what do you feel like, if anything, do you feel like anything needs to change or should change in the sales process and the training side of things? Uh, well, I'd add this is, is training today. First, the most important aspect of it is a CRM, and it befuddles me that six out of 10 builders that I can work with don't even have a CRM system, and those that do don't even implement it fully. Yeah. Uh, you know, here's a buying cycle. A buying cycle that you say is about 10 weeks. Uh, this is according to the National Association of Realtors, and they see about 10 homes uh, during that 10-week period. But what's not been told is this. Google says 76% of people research for a full year before they ever walk into these model homes. So you got 8 out of 10 people have pre-searched and researched for one full year, and then the race is on. It's a 10-week race. And you know some people are, are really befuddled by this nowadays. You know, 16% of home buyers will buy on the first visit now. 16%. It's, it's an amazing number. Why? Hmm. Because if you've spent a full year researching, right, you know, you know, you're pretty darn informed when you walk in that door, okay? And if you're pre-qualified and you walk in that door, you're really predisposed to buy. But nobody comes into a model today, in today's world, not interested in buying. They're there to buy. Maybe not there, but they're there to buy, and you're in their hunt mm -hmm. at that particular moment. Uh, but they're all 100% of the people are coming to buy. Nobody's kicking tires. As far as great homes, then I guess we should do that. What if dozen or so, so sales that we have uh, is a result of that parade of homes? Uh, over a dozen of the sales for that month came from the parade of homes. So it's not true that people come out and kick a tire. Now, it is true if you have a mindset. You know, because it's like Ford said, uh, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Okay, so it's a thought process. But if you think people are coming in to kick tires, you're going to treat them like they're kicking tires. We treat them like they're buyers. And yeah. everybody got a demo. You know, it, it was, but it's a fast world right now. So what needs to change with the training is really mindset more than anything. Because it all starts with the mind to it, that all people are coming into a model to buy today, period, end of conversation. Uh, so if your mindset is wrapped around that and your follow-up is fast, and I mean super fast and you know, significant, you're going to get the sale today. So if you said, what was the number one skill uh, 10 years ago? What would have been the number one skill set 10 years ago to know? Well, obviously closing. Why? Because we weren't really shopping with the internet the way that we do now. Right. Sales has changed more in the last two years than the previous 10, and it's really changed more than the last 50. But the buyer is so darn informed at this moment. So what has to flip for the salesperson is, yeah, you're not there to give as much information as you think. You're there to differentially demonstrate, but you're there to curate 
a year's worth of information that they've taken in, you know, through the internet. Because buyers come in confused, man. You know, Zillow will screw with you. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, so you talk about the, the buyers are coming in, they're they're ready to buy. And 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 because they've been shopping for a year, and I and I'll add some nerdy analytics to this from the market from a marketing perspective. So looking at Google Analytics, looking at builders of all sizes all across the country, um, and I'm I'll give some I'll give everybody listening a real tactical piece of where you can go find this out. So inside Google Analytics, if you go to um, the conversions tab on the left hand side. Once you log into Google, Google Analytics and go to multi-channel funnels, there's a little drop down. And then there's a little there's a little piece that says time lag, T-I-M-E lag, L-A-G. Okay. And from there, if you're so if you're listening, write this down or or make a make a mental note to come back when you're in front of your computer because you're probably working out or driving in between communities in your car. But come back and look at this because this will show you how many days on average passed when someone actually converted to a lead on your website and by far hands down over at least bare minimum over half of all the lead conversions on a home builder's website happened and that'll say time lag in days it'll say zero days uh -huh. that's the first time they ever came to your website so I, I just pulled up a random builder in google analytics uh looking from january 1st to july 9th yesterday so today's july the 10th and i'm looking at 775 conversions and of that 77% of those happened on day zero. Then it drops down to, you know, to 22 on day one, on the day one. So that's the, that's the second time or the, 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 the next day. And the number starts dwindling down more and more and more as time passes. Mm -hmm. Now, what is that? Does that mean that people are coming to the website immediately for the very first time they've interacted with your company and so, oh yes, sign up, sign me up. I want more information. Please, God, let a salesperson contact me. It is not their intent. What that means is the customers, the consumer today is interacting with your brand and your product across more devices, across more mediums than they ever have before, ever in the history of everything. Between Zillow, Realtor.com, Trulia, Google, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you name it, every medium possible, every whether it's BDX, New Home, all of these different places, any syndication site where real your home could sit on a real estate search engine or search uh, website, they're interacting with you. So when they do come to your website, that is why they are so much more, uh, they have much more uh, ability to convert to a lead and, and on the very first visit to your website because it's not the first time that they've interacted with your product and your brand. And I think that translates all the way down to the visit in the model home, just what you were saying. Well, you know, again, we should be curators of information and sometimes the correctors of information, it's all, not all the information is correct that they're taking in and it becomes so confusing. You know, why is, here's a stat, 89% of people still use a realtor. 89% will use a realtor of, of home buyers. And you go, why in the world are they going to use a realtor if they're researching for a year in advance if they're doing all this homework and the study? Because they're confused. They've taken in so much information. It's so darn confusing. And you know what, as far as the devices that they're looking at, we know that they're looking at their cell phone more than anything. Uh, you know, so 
they're, they're, they're shopping in real time. Even, you know, they walk right out. Absolutely. And, and so it's, it's a constant information battle, but the person that's going to win today is going to be the person with the best follow-up campaign. It's not going to be the best closer. The club, you, you know what? We overcomplicate closing. It's really uh, an invitation. I sent you like this home. Am I correct? Yeah. Well, should we make this one yours? I don't know. I'd have to go home and think about it. Well, you have a planned response for it, you know, but but it's not hard to close. Closing is actually easy because you're just inviting somebody. It's just natural them to a great sales process. But yep. it's the hard, the hard part that gets people all caught up is the follow up. You know, they're not following up, and if they do, it's not fast enough. You know, it, you know the old thing of the five minute rule. You know, how how fast does somebody expect you to be back to them? Uh, 88% of home, they expect their agent or their uh, salesperson to be back immediately to them. Immediate. Absolutely. Well, I mean, here here's a stat that tells us. So this was uh, posted on, on in 2017. So I'm sure this is actually it's it's incredibly higher. But this was by the New York Post. It says on average, Americans check their phone once every 12 minutes, bringing their heads to their phones 80 times a day. Actually, uh, the number has changed. It's every uh, 11 minutes now. Now there we go. So, but you got to think about this. Every eleven minutes, you're checking your phone, and that. But the real thing is, about nine minutes, over half the people check the phone, even if it's not ringing, buzzing, dinging, or anything. Hey, like what? What's happening? You know, it's it's just a constant uh, tech feed at this point. And we do know that ninety four percent of people keep a phone within arm's reach of them twenty four hours a day. You know, so it's a tech gig right now. So that's what's really changed. But the fundamentals, let's go back over it. Have the rules changed? You know, uh, football, here's a, here's a little bit of a, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know, uh, about 100 years now it's been in. I think it was invented in uh, 1920, the actual game with football, organized football. So, yeah. So we're about 100 years old with this game, right? All right now. Yep. So obviously the game has changed a lot over a hundred years, right? I mean, I mean, absolutely it changed over a hundred years. But here's the one thing that hasn't changed: the fundamentals remain the same. Rules change, fundamentals stay the same. What do we mean? The fundamentals are: you can run it, pass it, or kick it. But those fundamentals have stayed the same uh, during this hundred-year passage of time. Well, sales, you know, you know it's a process-driven thing. Whether they come in uh, is an e-lead, whether they come in with a realtor, whether they, whether you think they're kicking tires, whatever it is, you still have to meet them and greet them, right? You still have yep. to do a needs assessment, you know, call that qualification. You still have to do uh, some sort of presentation and an overview of the neighborhood. And you should be demonstrating, you know, demonstrating your product, differentially demonstrating. And then the real key is getting them down to one. You know, which one, what one floor plan, what one home site, what one tree, I don't care what it is, but get them down to what one, what one lender, but getting the one and then, you know, you've got to answer objections and you've got to close. All right. There's a process. Uh, so the fundamentals of selling haven't changed. It's just some of the rules. And the big thing I say again is the speed that people are able to make decisions. 
and the speed you need to follow up with. There's your big change. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I want I want to rewind a second and and as you talk about you said something very very key that I think a lot of people miss and it's differential demonstration. And w- before it was I think when I say before rewind 10 years at the max, less than 10 years, probably, you know, new construction was what it is. The pricing discrepancy between new and used wasn't as, as high as it is today. Um, And now in most markets across the United States, new construction is, has a 20% plus premium on it over what is our real competition used homes. And so we have to differential, we have to differentiate ourselves between why I should spend 20% plus more upfront today on this house versus looking at just the, the, the price today, the cost today on buying that, that existing used home that's on the market. And we have to show the value there and really help close the gap between that price and show that, show that it's not really, you're not really spending 20% more or 30% more in some markets for this new home versus this used home. And so what is some advice for you from your perspective on, since you've been boots on the ground, that ways that people can uh, make a change and impact that right away. You've got to be a construction expert, uh, maybe not an expert, but you've got to have a good grasp of it. But like I could tell you that uh, a new home costs more, costs less. And you can go, why? Energy savings alone. Just in the energy. Mm-hmm. Think about this, Matt, the wonderful product Tech Shield. You know what I'm talking about, Tech Shield? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, radiant barrier, uh, roofing, okay? Well, if that reduces heat in an attic by 30%, you can save $100 a month right there. That's $100 a month. Now, that's 1200 a year times 10 years. Okay, 1200 a year times 10 years, which is the average that somebody's going to live in, it's $120,000. Just the energy cost. Close the gap. Yeah. Right there. Right there. So it's the energy cost. What else can close the gap? Warranties. God, you get a 30-year roof, you get five-year windows, you get, you know, the tile, it gets, but you get, you can literally have 70 uh, plus years, you know, if you add all this stuff up, of warranty, 30 years. Yeah, combined warranty. Yeah. Uh, but this is where differential demonstration comes in. You've got to physically pull down that attic and show that to them and run those numbers for them. But we don't. We can't be a tour guide and go, "Hey, here's the kitchen," and you go, "Well, no kidding. That's there's the kitchen sink. How did I how how did I figure that one out? Right? Just showing somebody the the kitchen and saying this is our beautiful open kitchen isn't going to do it. You got to show them the show them the nitty gritty, right? Well, you do. I mean, like here's an example. Having worked that parade of homes, I had to have a hook right from the beginning, and. What's different about the builder is they move the uh, microwave away from uh, over the stove. And you can go, well, why would I show that? And I go, because you got to look at it this way. When we were explaining it, and I could hook them just I mean, immediately, just hook them by just saying, yeah, we moved it. But here's why. Uh, now your focal point isn't a microwave because you walk around any living area, you're going to be drawn to that microwave. But no. Now we got a backsplash there, okay? So it's a decorative thing. But the real benefit, folks, is this, is we're actually venting out of this house. You know, 
if you got that little microwave under it, you know, you got the that little charcoal filter that's just recirculating. Just circulating, right. All right. Now that was a conversation, but I could I could open it with that one thing, you know, right there and then go, uh, hey, let me show you something cool about this texture and just ran the same thing, numbers, you know, $100, uh, you know, uh, you know, in energy savings and do this times 10 and you got $120,000 of it. This is what sells today. You do have to differentially demonstrate or they will go by used home. No, no question. And I think you hit the nail on the head and he's like, hey, we, we do need to, uh, we need to be construction experts. So then we can enter as the salespeople. So we can then um, internalize that information and then give it back to the customer in terms that they understand in terms that they understand means what it is going to equate to them and the bottom line, whether it's going to save them time, money, effort, peace of mind. Um, you know, those are things that, that they understand and, and breaking it down that way. And always, I, I think I'm a, I'm a big advocate of too, as we're walking through it is compared to what, right? I can just say it like, Hey, look at this tech shield. It's going to save you this. It's going to save you. It's going to, it's going to lower the, the heat in the attic by 30 degrees. And it's going to save you this compared to that used home that you're going to see down the street doesn't have this. And it is a massive undertaking to retrofit an existing home and try to get something this effective in that house and always giving that compared to what I think is key. Well, there's price versus cost. you know, uh, price is one time, you know, that new home is a one-time price. Okay. But cost is ongoing. What's the cost to maintain it? My dad told me once, he said, buying a car is the cheapest part of it. He said, buying it's the easy part. You know, you got to maintain it. Uh, and that's where the expense comes in. Okay. So, Buying a used home at twenty-five or thirty thousand dollars less is it is it price or cost? Okay, so you got a cheap price, but it's going to cost you infinitely more to own it, and that's what you right. differentiate for, for them and explain it: price versus cost. And yeah, absolutely. So you know we are going to pay more for a new home. We only get fourteen percent of all home sales. Think about that: only fourteen percent. Uh, but it, it's just a crazy fact that you do have to differentially demonstrate. But then again, let's get back to, to follow up. Yes. There's where the money is going to be made. The person that follows up the fastest, the first person that follows, uh, you know, uh, with a system, with a process. And like, uh, this is one thing that befuddles me too. think about this. Uh, the buying cycle, they say, is on average about 10 weeks, right? So here we are, 10-week yep. thing. And, and I hear somebody say, I've got a low-traffic neighborhood. And I would go, what do you mean low traffic? We'll only get five or six people a week. And I would go, well, that's because you're not following up with them. You're not working them. Because uh, the truth is, if you said over 10 weeks and you get six traffic units over a 10-week period, that was 60 people. 60. All right, now... What should you close out of that 60? You know, but we don't follow up. Right. We just let them go uh, and, you know, pick the lowest hanging fruit that we can. Somebody that says they're interested. And, you know, what's the number one buying strategy? To never act interested. Absolutely. Well, and when it comes to... I comes to follow up obviously that ties into to CRM system and how vital it is to a company's uh, a salesperson and a company's success and sales 
you know, and I know you've talked to builders about this. I get this question all the time and, or, or the statement and question is like, what do we do? And it's always, well, our salespeople don't use, aren't utilizing the CRM and how do we fix that? And there's, I, there's two things. I'll let you go first. Well, I, I apologize for interjecting. It gets me a little upset, though, when I, I see the, the that are coming in. You know, you do get 60 people over a 10-week period, even if you're slow traffic or, you know, it's good. you've had 60 people through a door and 100% of them are going to buy somewhere. Yeah, you know, so it's a follow-up, but it's not having an objective of having a second appointment. But a person that doesn't use the CRM it's because the manager doesn't use the CRM because if the manager knew how to use the CRM and was training people on how to use the CRM, the salesperson would use it. And it's not, it's not about deriding anything or doing anything. I'm just trying to make people more money. Uh, but it's, it starts with the leadership, you know, and the leadership. Without a doubt. Because if the leadership doesn't know how to use a CRM, how how can they monitor the CRM at all? So all comes to under the leadership now. That's my thought on uh, CRM. Yeah, I 100% agree. That's the first thing that I say is if leadership, sales management specifically, if they aren't the experts, just like we're talking about salespeople need to be the air quote expert in construction so they can relate it, relate that information and buyer speak to them and show them how important this information is. It's the same exact thing for a CRM. The sales manager has to be the expert. They have to be the one that trains new people that can answer questions from anybody regarding, hey, I'm having a problem or, hey, I'd like to try to do this. If they ask their sales manager, like, hey, how do I do this? And they're like, hell, I don't know. Jeez, I, 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 I don't ever get in there. What is What message does that send? It sends that this is not, this tool is not important to you. So therefore it's not important to me and it's not a value. Um, so that is the number one thing. And the other thing that I would add to that is we talk about senior level, executive level mem- um, leadership buying into the system. And the owner of the company doesn't necessarily have to be the one to actually go in and use the CRM because they're never going to do it. But it, my old home building company, our, what we always said was not there wasn't a single person in this organization that is above using our systems because we're going to train on it. We're going to hold everyone accountable, and if you're not willing and or able to use the CRM system, then you, it's a condition of employment. Well, I would agree with that. Um, I don't want it to sound harsh. I just just want the reality of you know you can make more money, you know, with the CRM flat out. You're going to make more money. So, you know, uh, not to deride anyone, not to say anything negative with it. It's just a matter of I just want you to make more money. That's where it comes down to me. And this is the tool to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say follow-up yeah. is the big change. Uh, if you're saying what, what's really changed in the industry, what did I learn over the last two years? You know, now that I'm back, uh, you know, consulting and educating again, what did I learn uh, was, you know, just how fast the game is being played right now. You know, and I, I would say this, I always say, uh, you're, you're familiar with the term poser, Right. Oh yeah, sure. Like I'm a poser. What do you mean I'm a poser? (laughs) You've been to my house before, and you know I've got like ten guitars laying around, Uh, all kinds of great guitars. Some of them custom built, and I mean just guitar after guitar after guitar. But I can't play a lick. 
I love that. You know, but, there's some nice looking guitars. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? Essentially, I'm a poser. That's what it is. Because I'm not really utilizing the tool. I'm not really doing anything with it. Uh, I, I guess I'm more of a collector than a player. But I always say I'm a poser. Now, here's what I did learn. You know what? You can't go 20 years like I did. You cannot go 20 years like I did. You can't go five years and call yourself a consultant or call yourself an educator if you don't pull yourself out and put yourself on the front line again because it's changed that much. Uh, so I think I'm probably more prepared than I've ever been in my life having been boots on the ground for the last two years and re-entering back with this digital form of the business. I would say, you know, I, I don't know how some people that are out there and they claim that, that, you know, they've got this strategy and I go, have you ever tried it yourself? Have you ever given a sales meeting? Well, yeah, but, you know, no, I mean, actually give a sales meeting. Think about that every Friday, you know, giving that sales meeting, you know, that really put me in touch, uh, you know, with how a sales meeting is supposed to run. And I can tell you, I was giving some bad advice there at, at times because after going boots on the ground, I had to make some adjustments, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, there's the difference between the way things should be done in a perfect world and then the way things actually get done and, and recognizing what those are and making adjustments. But I can tell you the success of that company was because of, uh, I don't mind saying, is it proper to say the company name? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's Homes by Tabor. Uh, the success of that company was just the owner was, golly, man, he was just a monomediac about change. You know, he was going to change. If something did, didn't work, he was changing something. Uh, yeah. It was always the motto. Hey, if it's not working, let's shake it up. Let's change it. Let's do something different. Uh, but, it, but he was also very keen on that CRM system. And so oh, it took a long time, about two years, for they finally got it up and running. And uh, But here was the secret of it. Replacing management was a secret that could use a CRM system themselves. And now that's how the CRM got implemented because the managers were, were uh, able to use it. I agreed hundred percent. You know, we talk about, we're talking about change. We're talking about the things that, you know, you saw boots on the ground and how things, you know, things needed to be tweaked and how you're more prepared than ever. But we also talked about, you know, the, you gave the example of football and how the principles are still the same. It's just, maybe some of the rules have changed and the way you execute on a few things have changed. And I, you know, I, I had someone text me email, I don't know, somebody that I've known for a long time that kind of got out of new home sales for a while and they were entering the industry back again. And they reached out and said, Hey, um, what's some good material? What's some good books that I can that'll help me like jumpstart and just kind of get, get running again. And I told him, I said, you need to go here and you need to look up reach the top and it's an older book i mean it even it's your book and it, it even it even talks about faxing right and i said so yeah. just replace some of the dated technology with newer technology when it's talking about that and don't necessarily pay attention to the specific medium if you're referring to follow-up and things like that but the overall principles of that book and the foundation of the selling process is still just as viable as today as it was when you originally wrote it. What back in like 1923 or something like that. Uh, but uh, I never changed the book intentionally because I wrote six others. But I, that book's 
still sails off uh, the shelf, go, goes out constantly. Uh, it's been a great book, but yeah, it's all fundamentals in there. You know, and you go, well, why, would, why wouldn't you just bring it up to an internet day? And I go, I'll talk to you about that stuff. You know, but you should read the book just for the fundamentals. Uh, but I've, I can assure you it's probably sold more copies than any other new home book in the history of the world. Yeah, that's great. All right. All right. So last question, because I always love to hear what what really smart people uh, are reading and, and what they're what they're consuming themselves in their own mindset. So. What is, what are some what are, what are you reading right now and then what would be one book that somebody listening should go buy today and start reading here you go grab them off of the credenza I just finished this book called can't hurt me uh, David Goggins uh, Navy seal first guy to uh, be a Navy seal uh, Army Ranger uh, also in the Air Force uh, Three different branches, but he talked about pain and change. You couldn't eat or read another book called Ultra Marathon. You're going, what does this have to do? What do are, what are books like this have to do, Ultra Marathon? The, these guys are running like 100,000, I'm sorry, 100 miles a day. And you can go, because it's a discipline. You, you can learn something from this. You know, then uh, I'm reading The Perfect Clothes by James Muir. Um, uh, haven't cracked it yet, but another one that really helped me just recently is a book called Digital Persuasion. Uh, Great book. I read yeah, that. Yeah. And it, it really addresses, since we're following up digitally, it addresses how you're supposed to follow up. You know, so that was a good one. If I said, you know, what, uh, what one book, if you were reduced to any one book, um, you know, I would go back with a couple of the classics and, you know, look at Brian Tracy's uh, Psychology of Selling. Um, you know, that had bigger impact. And if I was starting, I would go right there. Uh, but I still like you know, the, the Ziegler books. You know, they were all great deals here. Yeah. If you're going to stick primarily to, uh, to new home sales, and there's a plethora of books that are out there right now. And, you know, great authors from Jeff Shore to Jason Forrest and all that. But just, you know, grab my book, grab yeah. their books and, and start devouring. Uh, always teach. I'm not looking for I'm, – I'm, I really want a student of selling. If I was really recruiting, that's the first question I ask is, what are you reading? What are you doing to get better? Because better isn't something you wish for. But better is what you become. And so you got to always ask yourself, what am I becoming? But if you're not putting anything into your head, you're not becoming anymore. Yeah. So you've got to be constantly. And by the way, it's not very becoming if, if you're not coming. You've got to really work with this game here and, and keep yourself informed with it. But those are four books that I'm reading right now. Um, I read a book a week, have now for over 20 years. And that's that's what really gave me my career edge was the information it. that I took in, you know? Yep, no question. You That was advice you gave me a long time ago. You said – you say it all the time. You don't just – you didn't just give it to me, but you say it all the time. Read an hour a day in your chosen profession, and you'll double your income. You will in one full year, and that's scientifically been proven and substantiated uh, by University of Southern California. If you read an hour a day, 
then if you're reading at a seventh grade level, you know, and I'm, so we're really taking this down. Uh, but if you read an hour a day, you'll consume about 200 pages. Average self-help book is less than 200 pages. So you consume 50 books. What's it take to get a doctorate's degree? 45 books and a dissertation. Okay, so essentially, you're getting a degree every year. You know, so if you're having a problem with closing, study it. You know, if you're having a problem with follow-up, study it. But it's what you're going to take in is what's going to come out of you. You know, so, Absolutely. you know, just keep reading and get, get encouraged. Learn the CRM, you know, just learn it. And if your company doesn't have one, you know, get your own. You know, you can go on Salesforce. You can get anything that you want with it. But the CRM's the, the big skill set going forward. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Awesome, Myers. As we wrap up, um, how? what's the best way? If people want to connect with you, um, where are you putting out content? What's the best way if they want to connect with you and, and ask a question or some advice or bring you into their company? Uh, I'll give you an email or two, okay? Uh, you can always reach me directly via email, MBA, Myers Barnes Associates. So it's MBA at Myers, M-Y-E-R-S, Barnes, B-A-R-N-E-S dot com. Uh, you can reach me by email. Uh, you can reach uh, Lorena at solutions at Myers Barnes. And that would probably be the fastest, most efficient way uh, because Lorena's checking my e email if I'm not looking at it. Uh, so you, yeah. you'll get an immediate response. And if you're not already, you should be following Myers on Facebook. Myers puts out all kinds of awesome video content, blog content, just almost, I mean, several times a week. So it's just really good stuff. If you're not following him already, which you probably are, but if you're not, make sure you are. It's just great, great resources to check out, to, to follow. So awesome. Myers, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure to chat. <laughs> And uh, I know everyone will find this information incredibly helpful and uh, look forward to having you on again sometime hey, soon. Hey, one big thing with you, though, quick thing. Uh, you, you've made yep. a big change yourself with Group 2. Uh, yes. Uh, what a wonderful company, unpaid, unsolicited, you know, hands down to me. That's the finest marketing company in America. Well, I think so. I appreciate that, and uh, I'm super excited to uh, to be there and helping helping builders make an impact. So, uh, but yeah, so awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Myers, and we'll all uh, we'll connect soon and and have you back. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you so much, Myers. We of course love having you on, and you know we didn't talk about this earlier, but Myers actually introduced me and Matt. So, uh, you know, he did, he did. And both of us have learned a ton from you throughout our careers. We both really respect you and appreciate everything you've done for the housing industry. And for us, um, we love working with you. We love having you on today and, uh, great content that you shared with everyone. Yep. Absolutely. Good stuff. So, uh, thanks again, Myers. Really, really great having you on. All right, guys. Well, that is going to do it for us for this week of Building Perspective. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And uh, just remember, you can join the conversation with us. You can join our Facebook group, Building Perspective, or you can ask some questions, get them read on the air. Well, not really on the air, but get them read on the show. Uh, and uh, maybe we'll give away some fun prizes along the way. It's been fun building perspective together, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.